Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of FanRag Sports Premier League Podcast. I'm Elliot Niblock. With me is Paulie Quistel. We are without Seb Norin as he is stranded in Stockholm, although I think it's actually the snow in Chicago that's preventing him from uh, coming into America at the moment, not necessarily in Sweden. Although, let's be honest, I have no idea what it's doing in Sweden. How's the weather in New York, Paulie? Uh, New York, it was fine. I just got back to New Jersey, and there's like snow and ice all over the place. I don't know when that happened. <laughs> uh, it's a whole different world on the other side of the Hudson, huh? Yeah. Uh, well, we are going to kick things off right away with the premier fixture of the weekend in the Premier League, and that is, of course, the first match on match day 27, Tottenham host Arsenal, not at Tottenham's normal home ground, but at Wembley. Um... Arsenal coming off a scintillating 5-1 victory during their last match day. Tottenham being able to just barely eke out a point in a controversial draw, although that might have you know felt a little more victorious given the way that they were able to snatch that point at the end. Uh, I mean, Paulie, how do you see things playing out at Wembley between these two local rivals? I feel like... I I feel like this is one of those like you have to throw away the record books things like it just it, especially like it just seems like no matter what's going on with these two teams like Tottenham can never get over the hill and beat Arsenal. <laughs> um, I mean look at it like last time they played which I get was at the Emirates. Um, the last time they played, Tottenham came in on very good form and Arsenal came in on awful form yeah. and Arsenal won that game pretty easily yeah the fact that it's not you know last year they had it at white hart lane which was you know a much better opportunity for for tottenham this year it's at wembley which um having now been to wembley and old trafford like wembley wouldn't really doesn't really convince me that it's a home field advantage in that regard yeah uh you know i thought it was cool when i was there and then when i went to old trafford and, and experienced what old trafford was like it kind of just made me feel like Wembley was just like watching an actual important, like a, an actual meaningful game, but like just in any old modern big stadium. Yeah. Um, having said that, I mean, this is a game like Tottenham are trying to really get themselves back in the top four. They are on great form. If you like look at it. they haven't lost a game since like October, mm-hmm. uh, which is, or they haven't lost the, something like that. You know, their home form, which started out so bad, and by so bad we mean like they dropped like two points all year last year at home. They've they've dropped like three or four this year. They just happened to do that right at the beginning of the season, and it was like we already dropped more points. Um, they they are actually on really good form, and this is the the match where you really need to establish we're back in the top four hunt. Arsenal, you're out of it. And Chelsea, you're kind of falling out of it. And we're going to establish ourselves here. And again, like throw away the record book. But like when you think about it this year, this season alone, Arsenal have sold players to Liverpool, Manchester United, and Chelsea. Mm-hmm. How can you consider them like a top four team? Oh, I, 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 that's, that's a ridiculous statement. <laughs> I think that's absolutely a ridiculous statement. I think that Arsenal are certainly a better team than they were a month ago before most of those signings happened, right? Like, and I think that, you know, I I mean, I want to say that the 5-1 victory 
over Everton in the previous fixture is going to spur us on to great things, you know, to use a funny verb. But we are nonetheless, like, Arsenal are going to still have problems. They're still going to struggle, but the combination play between that front three of Ozil, Mkhitaryan, and Aubameyang is, it's thrilling. It's thrilling and it's exciting, but also Harry Kane is going to score goals, right? Like, this... I don't imagine Arsenal is going to keep a clean sheet. I mean, for me, the biggest question from an Arsenal perspective for this match is, does Wenger, you know, having just stomped Everton, stick with a back four? Does he revert to a back three? If he does revert to a back three, then who's going to play Who's going to play left wing back? You know, because Kolosniak has been in terrible form. I would still personally stick with him. Uh, Ainsley Maitland-Niles has also been slotted in there, but this is this for me is I think the biggest reason why I would start Kolasinac over Ainsley Maitland-Niles, and it's that you know, Paula, you were just speaking about how Wembley, it's hard to make that a fortress as your home ground, and I think you're absolutely right, and I think that a lot of Tottenham's home results have been probably you know influenced by that, but if you're starting in Ainsley Maitland-Niles, a young kid out of his natural position, who is playing at the age of 20 at the Emirates, asking him to play, you know, asking him to play against Spurs is a big enough ask to begin with. Asking him to start at Wembley against an arch rival, you know, maybe he'll rise to the occasion or, you know, maybe he will be intimidated in the way that you want a player to be intimidated. So I think they've I got just, to give I, I disagree with that. Play out of his I form. disagree with that. I disagree with that so? so much. Well, I, but the thing so is much. That also, it depends. You I mean, can't, you can't manage, but like, if you do, if you play scared like that, then no one ever gets their chance. Well, Ainsley Mittendales has it, had plenty of chances, but it's a question of like, you know, so the magnitude of the occasion. Eventually, he has to have a chance in a big game. You can't just keep playing him against Huddersfield and against Brighton. Well, but here's the thing. Yeah, eventually, I, he has to have a chance. And, and okay, and, and then we played him in a, a Europa League group stage match. And we did, and, and then we played him in the Cubs. And eventually, you have to say, okay, like we're going to let you play in a, in a big match. And, and we think you're up to the challenge. And you better go prove us right. Well, but here the, here's the thing, Paul, is that in, in large part, I, I agree with you, right? But... But I think that when that time comes, when you say, okay, this is the gauntlet moment where, you know, if you're going to play at this level, you have to excel in the big matches at the highest level, then I would like that to be in the position that the manager sees him playing in for his career, right? Whereas he's just kind of a a stopgap stand-in at left wing back, whereas Sead Kalashniak was player of the season at left back for the Bundesliga last year. Yeah, but I mean... Arsene Wenger is not going to be his manager for his career. That's also and, true. <laughs> and I mean, thank God that's not it's true. it's often it's often players. You know, it's when you protect. Oftentimes, when you protect players, that's when they don't. You know, yeah, that's when their development is their slow growth. and everything. It's when it's when you throw them into the fire and you need them. It's a lot of times it's sink or swim is when they swim. Yeah. When you wade into the water, then that's when you go, oh, wow, water's cold. Let me back out of it. Yeah. And it takes you a lot longer to get in there. Yeah. Uh, and I'll just, I'll give you one example right now. Danny Rose. <laughs> Did he rise to the occasion when he was asked to play against Arsenal when he was 16? Yeah. How'd that turn out? Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I'm... 
I'm won't to give. If, if Sad Kolasinich is in that bad of form, he's in terrible don't form. Play but his then class is, is phenomenal, right? Like, I. Well, but, but the thing is that you know th- this is all a moot point. If so, and, you're ba- you're you're trying to play a guy based on what he can do in the past, but hasn't shown any ability to do recently. Well, recent, let me give you, you let you me give you an example. Is, yeah, like the last few matches, but also previously. You know, like he he was phenomenal in the beginning of the season. I think in the he beginning just got of the season, but we're not in the beginning of the season yeah, okay, anymore. But, 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 this is what happened to Zlatan Ibrahimovic last year. He was phenomenal in the beginning of the season, and then he wasn't. Then it became winter, and you're playing in the English winter, which is brutal in different ways than it is in in other places of Europe. You know, it's not freezing cold, but it feels freaking cold. I sat at Old Trafford last week, and I sat there wondering how and why anybody chooses to play there and how they're able to play. Like, it was, I wasn't even getting wet. I'm under a roof. And I was like, at one point, Marcos Rojo hit the floor and a puddle came up. And I went, how is anybody playing? Like, how are their feet not so? My feet are wet. How do you do that? And so the English winter is different. And sometimes players start out hot and then the winter comes and things go, and things go poorly. And you're, you're picking a player based on what he has the ability to do, but not on anything that he's shown, which I'll give you an example of a team that did that recently, and it ended up blowing up in their faces, and that's the U.S. national team and Michael Bradley. Yeah. Okay, well then, Paulie, let, Pauly, let me ask you this, Because they didn't want to give it, they didn't, they didn't want to go to an unproven player. Okay, well, if, if that is, you know, if that is the case, then you, do you think that even in an away game against an arch-rival with an overall abysmal away record in the league this season, Arsene Wenger should stick with a back four instead of reverting to a back three, so the question of a wing back is a moot point? Uh, he probably should, because Arsenal, really, the back three hasn't exactly... I know they went to it for a while over the last couple of years. Well, um, I mean, it's it sparked them to success down the stretch of last season, but it was, you know... a a dire straits move. And I think that the dire straits move this season, (laughs) the equivalent is the transfer market and not the formation change, right? The signing of Obama Yang for, you know, breaking the transfer record again. And I don't know. I, I think that Arsene Wenger should, you know, you were, you were speaking earlier about form, right? Like, well, speaking on form, doesn't matter if it's home or away. He's recently gone on record saying he thinks the difference from home or away shouldn't matter at all. Then, you know, you're... Then why won't you start Ozil and Mkhitaryan at the same time if you're away from home? Well, no, yeah, you should. But you you absolutely should. And also, speaking of which, you know, one of the things that you've said on this show, and Seb has as well, is that you're only as good as your last game. Well, your last game was phenomenal. You played a back four, so play a back four. Like, I, I understand tactically how going away from home in a big game you might want to set up slightly more defensively, but particularly because of that question mark at left wing back for me, I think, okay, you go with the back four. It worked for you last time out. If it doesn't work for you this time out, so be it. But you just you just hit five goals against a team that, yeah, was terrible earlier in the season, but has been less terrible in the recent past, speaking of form. So, you know, go into Wembley, play for at the back, play that attacking front three, and, you know, see if the chemistry between Mkhitaryan and Obama Yang and the playmaking ability of Ertzel can't combine to, you know, do some things in the biggest stadium in London. 
Right. Uh, well, I'm sorry. I, I completely spaced out. That's all right. That's all right. That's all right <laughs> yeah. Paulie's, uh, between train rides in a hockey game. So we'll, we'll, uh, we'll let that and slide. Jet lag. And yes, that as well. So moving, moving up towards the city, speaking of old Trafford that you were recently in, but across the way at the Etihad, uh, Man City are coming off a pretty surprising draw in their previous fixture. Um, and they're going to try to regain some form after dropping points at Turf Moor as they host the Foxes of Leicester City at the Etihad this weekend. I mean, the the one of the questions, the things that Seb and I talked about, you know, neither of us really thought that this was the case, but, you know, anytime a team that seems like they're, you know, maybe this is going to be their year has a... What subsequently you look back on as history is an epic collapse. Yeah, there's there's that one moment that you think, huh, wow, that that maybe this that is was not where it, it. Went wrong. This is not. It. No, it's not. This is all. this <laughs> is the time to actually slip up because then you can get your head on straight when the Champions League comes back, it, like next week. And for City, I believe it's in two weeks. Um, furthermore, being at Old Trafford uh, when Burnley scored that goal was really cool. Uh, like yeah. I, I got into Old Trafford and they the had the game on in the concourse. So it was like really cool. Everybody was just standing out there watching, which was really cool. Other than the fact that like there was just a sudden cheer and then it like died out. Um, Cause everybody remembered like, that city have already won the title. <laughs> no, it was just like, that was, it was like, Oh, like, no. Cause then people cheered again when, when it was like, when, the, when the game ended, they're like, this is a great result. Like we can gain points on them today. And it was like, I was like, what? Like, why did the cheer last like five seconds after Burnley scored? Like, that was a huge goal. I was like, if this was America, we'd still be jumping up and down. Yeah. I was like, come on. I don't get it. Maybe it's because I was in the family. Like, the Stretford end is oddly the family stand. Yeah. I don't know what it was. Um, second of all, freaking Pep coming out there afterwards and then and then bitching about Burnley playing long balls and playing British football. That's probably my biggest pet peeve whenever a, man- a foreign manager – signs on to manage in England and then complains that teams are playing the English way. Yeah. What did you expect, idiot? And as my friend pointed out, like Burnley got the draw. They played one they played long balls and they they got a draw against Man City, a team that is better than them in every position on the field. So obviously the tactics that they used yeah. was the right decision. Well here's a question for you speaking of foreign managers, although one who's uh had a slightly longer tenure in the Premier League. Um, Arsene Wenger, in his press conference, said that English players, quote, might even be masters, unquote, of diving. Uh, which I find, I, I find absurd. That's ridiculous. That's yeah. ridiculous. For, I mean, like, here's the thing. You look, when you go to the Premier League, you are not, the Premier League is not English football. Like the highest level of English football is the championship. Well, that is that is technically true. Maybe it's I don't know. There's something to the, the Premier spirit League of the law. At this, mm. The Premier League at this point is just a an international mixture of different cultures and styles that is based on the players that you have at your disposal and the managers because the managers for the most part aren't British and the players for the most part aren't aren't English. Yeah. If you go down to the championship, everybody plays the same way. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, we are going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back with a bit of transfer news before we move on to our scoring predictions for Match Day 27. So stick around. And we're back. All right, speaking of foreign players coming in to play the English way and play in Manchester as well, except not this time. Uh, Manchester United legend, is it legend? Can I use the word legend? Uh, Patrice Evra has put pen to paper for the Hammers, and he will be playing with West Ham. I don't know United if he's a legend, but he is definitely... He's really? one step below a legend, because he was a great <laughs> servant for the club and was a fantastic <laughs> left back. And he's, but like, see, he's also very underappreciated, and I think not calling him a legend underappreciates him I mean, even more. Yeah, he almost played a decade for him, right? Like, And not only that, at, at times, he was the best left back in the world. And yeah. for a long time, it was, is Ashley Young the best left back in the world, or is Patrice Evra? And he was a rock. He didn't miss games. Like, real Ferdinand battled injuries. Uh, throughout the entire, from 2006 until Sir Alex Ferguson retired, it was a revolving door at right back. Mm-hmm. Event, uh, Nemanja, Vidic would, Nemanja Vidic would pick up an injury here or there, and he was always good for a red card here or there. Patrice Ever was there every freaking game. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't even, like... Fabio Da Silva would sometimes get a game and did nothing to try to force his way into the team. Alexander Butner, I remember him playing like five times. It was always Patrice Evra. So, yeah, like he was as reliable as they come. For a long time, he was, um, for a long time, he was probably the, one of the top two left backs in the world. He, at one point, was named Captain of France. He was very deserving of that. He happened to be Captain of France during the worst period of yeah. French football ever. Uh, what's just surprising is that someone actually, like, is now coming back to play for David Moyes. Yeah. Yeah, that's, boy, that's funny. <laughs> that's what I didn't get. I was like, wait, I was like, wait, you played for David Moyes before. I'm like, it didn't work. Remember that? Like, remember how all of the defenders were like, wait, what is this guy talking about? He knows nothing about defending. And you're you're signing on to that again? Yeah. That doesn't seem to make sense. You know, he has the ignoble. Dis- well, it's it, I don't know. It's it's both an amazing achievement and also kind of heartbreaking at the same time. And that Pete Patrice Everett has appeared in five Champions League finals, and he is the first ever player to lose four Champions League final matches. Yeah, he's the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> <laughs> Or the Minnesota Vikings, but, you know, not quite that level. Um, well, like, so how, many th- he lost, how many times has he lost to Barcelona? At least three. Yeah, God. He must was he on Juventus, he he was, was he on Juventus last year? Yeah, well, uh, he, he was with – so he was with Marseille last year. He lost to Barcelona in, like, I think the 15-16, 14-15. I, I think it was uh, – Whatever year 14, Juventus 15. played Barcelona is when he lost to them. Yeah. Plus 2009, plus 2011 with Manchester United. When else did he make the Champions League final? Oh, uh, God. Who was he? No, he made, I mean, he made it with them. Uh, he made three with United, and did he make, and then he made with, one. No, it's two with Juventus, right? Well, you said he was with Marseille last year. Yeah, well, in 2017, the 15 16, right? Yeah, but they played Bar- Juventus made it twice. They played Barcelona once, and they played Real Madrid last year. Unless, unless that was two years ago, and I'm already missing a, a freaking final. But that can't be true. <laughs> two years ago, they played Atletico. 
2016, uh, they played Atletico. 2017, yeah, he was, they played... 2004, 2009, 2011. Oh, he played in 2004? Yeah. Oh, that's a game changer. Yeah. So he played for whoever lost to Porto. That might have been back when he was a striker, though. Gosh. That's another forgotten thing. Yes, Monaco. He was a That's striker. Yes, and, Monaco. Then he, and then they moved him back to left back. And then Sir Alex Ferguson signed him for like $4 million. Uh, well, God, so, French I mean, football. Do you, th- like, do you think that he's going to... That's why French football sucks, because they sell all their players for $2 million, and they're the best players in the world. Well, do you think that he's going he's gonna to fit in at all and have any success at West Ham? I don't know. West Ham is the land of misfit toys. <sighs> Yeah, I tell you what, they, I don't know, they're, they and, and Stoke have kind of uh, a catalog of quality players whose dreams of being truly world-class are shattered, and that broken glass is how they're trying to couple together avoiding relegation. <laughs> uh, well... You know, we'll see how Patrice ever slots in. But without further ado, we are going to move forward into our match day 27 picks. As Seb stays stuck in Scandinavia, he's going to have to put in his picks himself. And should he fail to do so, he'll fall into that dreaded 1-0 to the home side slot. But before we get into it, we should give the standings. Paulie remains in the lead with 186 points. Uh, I, however... Closing that gap, it's down to 9 with 175, excuse me, down to 11. I can do math, I swear to God. And Seb is bringing up the rear with 168. You beat me last week, didn't you? Yep, yeah, I did. I did. Two ahead. All right. All right, well, I'm not looking, I have no computer in front of me, so we're doing them right off the top of my head, so maybe that'll help me. Yeah. All right, well, I tell you what, I'll give you the advantage for me picking before you in the first one. I, this is a match that I think that Arsenal, Arsenal are going to be able to get something from it, largely because it's not at White Hart Lane and it is at Wembley. I still don't see them actually winning the game. I think it's going to be a 1-1 draw. I think it's going to be 2-1. Spurs will win. I think Spurs win this one. They are at home. It's not, I think, uh, did they, was it 2-0 last time or 2-1? 2-0. 2-0, yeah. But I think a lot of that, like, first of all, one of those goals was like very offside. Um, and I just think it was the Emirates really helped them out. I'm going to go two, one Spurs. They are on good form and they rested everybody this against Newport. They, they're, they're, they'll be fine. Well, at, uh, Goodison park, Everton will host crystal palace looking to bounce back from their crushing defeat to Arsenal. Uh, you think they'll do it, Paul? Oh, this is. This is the week where, like, the 10 o'clock slot's just a ton of six po- relegation six-pointers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this one's between two teams I don't think are going to get relegated. Uh, and it's on NBC Sports Gold, so I will not be watching it. But if you have it, more power to you. Watch away. I'm going to go 1-1. One, one. Uh, I, I, think, I think Everton are going to bounce back. Personally, I think they're. Gonna I do get too, it. and they're going to get a result. But I, I said last week that I'm just not picking against Crystal Palace. Yeah, that's so weird. I'm, I'm sticking to my word. Well, I'm going to go two one Everton in this one. Uh, up next, we have Stoke hosting Brighton. Uh, I, I think I'm, I'm going to give, I'm going to give my weekly nil nil draw in this fixture. Stoke, Bright. Oh, that's a good pick. 
I'm going to match you on that. All right. All right. Three, two, coming up. <laughs> no, yeah, God. Uh, Swans Burnley for the next one. Um, Polly, what do you what do you think? Uh, think one nil, one nil to who? Swans. Yeah. Good form from the Swans recently. Well, at least you know. I'm. We're just going to exchange whoever picks first the other piggybacks, but that's not going to be how I close the gap. But at the same time, you know what? No, I'm gonna. I still think Swansea are going to win, but I'm going to call it. I'm going to call it two one. You know, if I were you, I would have flipped it and just went one 0 Burnley. Yeah, because well, I'm. We'll because Swansea are just not good enough to maintain good form. Yeah, yeah. but they're they're good in Wales though. They're good in Wales. Well, up next we have Patrice Evra's Hammers. I'm going to just call him that the rest of the season. As West Ham host Watford. Uh, I, God, I I keep expecting West Ham to do more, and they keep disappointing me, and so I'm going to say they drop points again in a 1-1 draw. No, I'm going to give the win to Watford to... Nil. Two nil. All right. Yeah, Jared Delafell. That's a great signing. Yeah, yeah. He's been. A, he's my been, friend. He's been my friend described that. it perfectly when he said, "He said Jared Delafell is the replacement player. Like yeah. his 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 VAR is literally zero. Uh, he was like, you know, like there's room. He's like, he's totally okay. There's plenty of room for improvement. And if you get any worse, then you're like kind of screwed. Yeah. And then we tried to come up with the. Uh, VAR is zero eleven, the most mediocre eleven we could find. A team that would cruise to a mid-table finish. <laughs> oh God, I wonder. I wonder as the biggest negative VAR. It might be Pablo Zabaleta. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just I, don't like know. I just said red I cards said plenty is first for defending. So Fellaini is first choice in the mediocre eleven. Oh yeah, uh, except he always comes off the bench no matter what. <laughs> Uh, moving nah. on, moving on. We've got uh, Jose Mourinho is your mediocre manager. Yeah. Oh god. Moving on, we've got City hosting Leicester at the Etihad. Uh, it's just you know, it's just a matter of by how many goals they'll win. To be honest, I'm gonna I'm gonna say three one. I'm gonna be optimistic and say that the Foxes nick a goal, but I don't think it's gonna be close. Well, Leicester, well, Leicester Morris. Riyad Mars isn't playing, and that's how Leicester beat. Um, that's how Leicester beat City. So I'll go th- two nil. All right, Huddersfield, Bournemouth, Capwood. This is man. We really do just have uh, <laughs> matches aplenty with. Um... I, I don't know, with the uh, import for the relegation zone. Yo, this is why you need to be part of a relegation pool, because yeah. these matches are, like, my week is going to be lit. Uh, Huddersfield-Bournemouth, though? Give me two no Bournemouth. <laughs> like, no, one, no one's got time for that one. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to agree with you on the result, but only give them one goal, one nil. No. All right, up next we have Newcastle and Manchester United. What do you think, Polly? Uh, to you know, to to United yeah. of Manchester. Yeah, I I gave you the pick first cuz it's your club, um, but I'm not going to 
not going to alter mine in order to try to make up the gap because I think exactly the same. 2-0 two, two to the Red Devils. All right, then the Saints host Liverpool. Boy, I... You know, I keep wanting to just pick goal fests in Liverpool matches because they've got so many goals in them and they've got such an ability to defend abysmally. So I I think this one's going to be similar but not quite as many. 2-1 to Liverpool. Well, it's that rare game where both teams are playing at home. Yeah. Um... I'll go 3-1 to Liverpool. All right, and finally, the Monday fixture is Chelsea looking to regain some form and maybe even save Antonio Conte's job as they host West Bromwich Albion. Boy, if they drop points in this one, then I he's definitely getting the axe. Do you fire a coach right before the Champions League? Ah. <sighs> I'd, Roman Abramovich would fire a coach right before, you know, that coach was about to marry his daughter. Yeah. It's funny. I was trying to think of a wedding analogy, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Give me a 2-0 to the Blues. Yeah. They're, 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 they've they're got to turn it around, and I think that this is the moment in which they do that. Um, do I give West Brom a goal? Nope. Um, I'm going to pick the same again. I'm going to hope to make up that gap elsewhere. All right, well, there you have it. Uh, Hopefully next week we'll have Seb back and we'll have our full compliment. Uh, As for now, you can follow us on Twitter. I am Keats Was Better. Polly is P. Quistel. Be sure to give FanRag Sports a follow as well. Uh, We'll be back next week to talk to you about what happened on Match Day 7 and look ahead to both further Premier League action and the Champions League. Until then, take care.